What's up you guys, it's Josh Tongle. I uh, just want to thank everyone who took the time to watch my last video called Why I'm No Longer a Christian. And just really want to thank those people who watched it closely and in its entirety and didn't jump to certain conclusions that just didn't follow from the content of the video. Some of the comments actually made me wonder if people watched the entire video or if they just reacted based upon the title. As you all know, we live here in the Philippines and actually uploaded that video really late at night. When I woke up the next morning, my inbox and my comments were just flooded with so many messages, so many comments um, on YouTube and on Facebook. And of course, there were a lot of negative comments from people that I'm actually, you know, I read all of them. I do want to read those things. I want to be able to have an open mind and be open to criticism. Anyways, one of the things that really got to me were the private messages that I got from a good number of people who were just thanking me for sharing the video because they resonated with the content because they came to the same conclusions and, and they're kind of at the same place on their own faith journey. And they just haven't quote unquote come out yet. I mean, they were honest enough to share that they were scared to come out because of the reactions that they would get from some of their closest friends and from the people. But they were just thanking me because I was just kind of voicing out the things that they were feeling. You know, as I was reading a lot of the positive comments, you know, it came to the point where I just, I had to slow down and then I just stopped and I got teary-eyed, you know, because I was just so grateful that I was getting a lot of these positive responses from people. You know, I was reminded of why I do this stuff, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't think everyone has to share their, their faith journey online to, you know, to the whole world. I do this stuff because I want other people to know that they're not alone. You know, that you're not alone if this resonates with you. You know what I'm saying? There are people just like you who are thinking, asking the same questions, feeling the same things. You know, sure, there were a lot of different reactions to the video. You know, of course, as I was just mentioning, there was, there was a lot of love. Uh, but there were also a lot of people who were disappointed in me. And there were also some people who were very pissed off. You know, they're angry. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people who watched the video kind of overreacted. They were assuming too much from the video of just what I supposedly believe. You know, it's, it's as if they know exactly what I believe now. For those who've been following my, my work closely these past couple years, think about it though. You know, why should you be surprised with my last video? I've been this way for several years. You know what I'm saying? I, I've challenged different versions of Christianity. I haven't identified myself as a Christian for several years and I just shared it publicly this time. You know, and many of you have benefited from my work these past couple of years, you know, where I wasn't, you know, quoting Bible verses all the time like I used to back in the day, but I was just talking more about positivity and stuff like that. But now ironically, for some reason, some of you just don't feel the need that or just don't think that my opinions matter anymore because I I supposedly quote unquote departed from the faith. So now my, whatever I share now doesn't matter. You know, have you ever learned anything from non-Christians before? Or do you believe everything that a self-identified Christian shares? Think about it. You ask for those comments that say that I never had a genuine encounter with God. How do you know that? I'm not asking because I'm offended. You know, for people who know me, I don't easily get offended, especially the type of work that I do. You just can't get offended in this kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, just, I'm sincerely asking, you know, like, how do you know that? And how would you like it if someone who has never met you told you that with you knowing full well of what you've experienced? And that's why it's so interesting to see people who have never met me throw Bible verses at me and judge the 35 years of my life. So instead of going back and forth, trying to argue every single point with, with some of my critics, you know, I just want to still be personal, folks. You know what I'm saying? I, I just want you guys to get to know me better because my YouTube, it's just it's 
basically autobiographical. This is my life. You know what I'm saying? I, I get tired of a lot of those arguments, the philosophical arguments, you know. I mean, I, I, I can do that stuff. I just don't want to do that in, in a lot of my videos these days. You know, I, I want you guys to get to know me. You know, I just want you guys to hear my story. So there's this story that my mom was shared to me and to other people while I was growing up of how I got my name Joshua. You know, she, she had three names in mind. Of course, one of them was Joshua. And she, she dedicated me to the Lord. And one day she was asking God, you know, what should I name my son? You know, so she turned on the TV and then the preacher said, you know, his name is Joshua. And then she went, boom, you know, and then she, that's, how, that's how I got my name. So, you know, in a sense, I was born into this stuff, this, this faith, this mindset of uh, Christianity. You know, so whether or not there is such a thing as age of accountability, whatever, I'm not here to debate that. Uh, what I am here to say is that I was raising this stuff and whenever someone would ask me, you know, when did I get saved? You know, that's the question. When did you get saved, Josh? Honestly, my answer would always be the same thing. I don't remember a time when I didn't believe. I've always believed. You know, I've said the sinner's prayer many times growing up. You know, I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart. I even attended church activities throughout the week, whether it was like Sunday service, uh, Bible study in the middle of the week, youth group on Fridays, uh, doing evangelism on the weekend. I was even part of something called Royal Rangers, which is the, the Christian Boy Scouts. You know, my dad was like the head commander, you know, and I was, I was part of that stuff growing up. And I've attended, what, dozens of retreats. You know, so someone can say, you know, Josh, it's not about those things. It's not about all those activities or good works or saying prayers. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. You know, my entire life, folks, I believe that I communicated with Jesus and I was building that relationship, that intimate relationship with Jesus where I would talk to him all throughout the day. And I remember those nights where I would just stay up, I'd just sit up on my bed and um, in the dark, like really late at night and just talk to him and just share to him all my problems and my pains and my struggles and, and, and tell him how much I love him and I would petition and, you know, have requests for help and I would be worshiping and singing songs to him. It's like he was my best friend, you know, so I'd be talking to him and then I would be assuming that he would be talking back to me in different ways, whether it was through like a, a still small voice or he'd be speaking to me through the Bible, the scriptures, or he'd be speaking to me through a friend or circumstances, you know, those things that we've, we've heard of how he communicates back to us. And, you know, of course, I would claim to feel his presence, feel loved by him. Or I would have answered prayers and or I would speak in tongues regularly and I would have these like these emotional experiences where I, I would I would interpret as these you know divine interventions from God uh, just touching my life and sure when I was a kid you know I was a little rascal you know a little bit here and there and I got into some trouble I reached a point in my life where eventually I got my act together because I wanted to better my life and I wanted to quote-unquote you know draw closer to God you know so I made it like a like a regular commitment to follow Christ, you know, to deny myself, to take up my cross, to pursue holiness. I wanted to go through that process of, of sanctification, of becoming more Christ-like. And so there were those times when I would do good, and then there would be times when I wouldn't live up to the expectations or the standards that I, that I place upon myself or the, the standards that I believe God or the Bible would place, you know, for believers. And so during those times, I did struggle with guilt, 
and shame and condemnation and, and all that stuff, man, and even fear at times. And so it wasn't until I was around 17 years of age when I entered, you know, quote-unquote church ministry, right? Um, I became, I started off as an assistant youth director at a church in L.A. It's also the time that I started to ask a lot of questions. And it's not because uh, I, I, I didn't want to become a Christian anymore. It's just because I started to have questions finally. Because most of my life, I didn't really question things. I just, I just believed it. You know, I, I heard a preacher come from Africa or Korea to our church. And whatever they said, I believed it. You know, but, but this time in my life... Um, I, I just started to question things. And that's the time when I started to get into apologetics, like hardcore, hardcore apologetics. And it's funny because prior to that, I wasn't much of a reader. But when I got into apologetics, that's basically that all that I did. You know, I'm just reading, reading, reading. You would always catch me with a book reading, sharing to people about what, I, what I've been learning. And as I would read some of these books, these apologetic books, uh, some of these popular ones too, I, I, would, I would read them. And I'd get very impressed and I would say, you know, I want to be able to study apologetics under some of these guys. What happened is that I eventually went to school and studied theology and apologetics under some of these well-known apologists that I really admired and, you know, looked up to. You know, so I got my first degree in theology, you know, studying Old and New Testament and studying Greek and all that stuff. But at that time, I, I did have kind of like a charismatic leaning, you know, as some of you guys know that story. But my goal was to eventually pursue my studies to get a doctorate and to uh, defend the Christian faith because I wanted to be a Christian apologist who travels the world and defended Christianity. And so at one point, I got heavily involved in what's called the Science and Wonders movement, even at school, which was, was a pretty conservative school. They would call themselves interdenominational, but to me, they were pretty conservative. And what I did was is that I eventually uh, started up a healing ministry on the university campus. You know, so we were healing the sick, healing injured students, athletes. And so it was challenging the mindsets of, of many students there, even some of the professors. You'd always catch me. Uh, speaking with some of them after class where they would be asking me questions and having me share stories with them of some of the things that I've seen because I guess that's always been my personality as I got older is that I was always willing to, to challenge mindsets um, if I felt led to do so as it caught some noise you know people were writing articles about it and I was even given the opportunities to speak about uh, healing in, in theology classes you know every single semester for a period where I was also even able to do some demonstrations there, answer questions from some of the students who weren't exposed to these types of things, and was even able to speak at certain chapels on the university campus. You know, a lot of people can vouch for this, that if you went to school with me back in the day, you would always see me with a group of students sharing or answering questions or with the professors having meetings, being mentored by several professors in the cafeteria debating <laughs> uh, philosophers and other students who are studying theology but all these different random topics i would be leading revival meetings like once a week you know joining prayer groups or i would be traveling to different uh, college campuses to do evangelism every single week i mean i was really committed where even during my you know exam week i just wanted to be that committed and still go to another uh, one on university and share my faith for the whole afternoon and come back to my my dorm and you know so like i i was really committed you know one thing that i can't deny is at every stage of my faith journey, I was always very passionate about what I believed and what I wanted to do for the kingdom. And throughout these years, as I was studying theology and going to school, I was also an apologetics teacher at a Presbyterian church. And then I eventually became a pastor at a Southern Baptist church 
And then later on, I was hired as an evangelist um, at an Assemblies of God church. And so eventually, I got my master's degree in theology, where I also took some uh, extra classes in philosophy and was able to study liberal theology and all that stuff. And I say that to just remind you to just keep in mind that even at this time of me studying and learning all these different religions, studying church history, all those things, folks, at that time, I was still very much an evangelical Christian. You know, I still believe in uh, the inerrancy of the Bible, that the Bible is true, you know, and everything that it affirms. I still held to something called penal substitutionary theory, where Jesus died on the cross, you know, for our sins and was punished on our behalf. You know, I still believe in eternal hell. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to be in hell for all eternity. I still believe in the rapture. All those things that many fundamentalist Christians, that's what we believe. Anyone who argues, as some people have, in the comments and in messages, you know, some people argue that it was my studies that messed me up. Obviously, they don't know the whole story because I studied all that stuff even way back in the day during seminary. You know, all that liberal theology, all the doctrines and the diversity of, you know, the, the views of the incarnation and, and, and the views of the Trinity, skepticism, atheism, agnosticism. I studied all that even way back in the day, but I had a different lens at that time. I had a, I, I filtered it through my evangelical assumption because I mentioned in my previous video that I, I was studying all those things in recent years but I, I should have mentioned that I also studied all those things back in the day because there were a lot of assumptions at that time that I didn't know that I had but I do know that you know for the most part back then you know that I had blind spots just like everybody else but I am the type of person who once I become aware of them I'm willing to change and challenge my my beliefs you know, because I've always been the type that I want to know the truth. You know, even if I'm going to end up being wrong about certain things. And I'm okay with that. I've, I've always been okay with that. Because I, I've always been the type to, to emphasize that the mind is very important. Because there are some folks who would criticize me for using too much reason. Or I'm just all about head knowledge. And I feel like when I read those comments, it kind of backfires, to be honest, on them. Because, you know, those who criticize me for using too much reason, they're actually giving me their reasons of why I shouldn't be using so much reason. You get what I'm saying? So I'm not just trying to sound philosophical. I mean, that's just the way it is. When I read those comments, I'm like, well, they're using reason too. And even those people who claim to just read the Bible without any you know, assumptions where they just read it and interpret it because of the Holy Spirit gives them, you know, gives them the interpretation. Believe it or not, they're using reason to interpret certain verses of Scripture a certain way. You know, with certain biases and with a certain culture that comes into play. You know, we all have presuppositions, you know what I'm saying? Reasoning is inescapable, folks. Anyway, you know, after I graduated, I immediately moved to the Philippines as a missionary and I was bringing with me this, this you know, Christocentric message, this very Christ-centered message that literally that I, I would see it right before my very own eyes and other people's eyes have witnessed it where lives were changing, lives were transforming for the better. You know, this radical message of unconditional love and grace and all those things. And you know, and I was okay. I was I was taking hits for it. You know, I heard a lot of negative things about me. People would be warned about me all the time. And I was okay with that because I, I really believed in it. And let me emphasize this again that all this time all these years, even up to the point of me coming to the Philippines as a missionary, I was still believing, building this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and, and having a certain perspective of, of reality. 
you know, having transformative experiences that were making me, in many ways, a better person. And what a lot of people don't really know on YouTube, because I've never really shared it publicly for some reason, I just didn't. It's just, it wasn't a topic that I would share too much on YouTube. But, you know, there was a time for several years where I would go around, whether it was on my own campus, or I would be traveling to different churches, different schools, and I would be teaching workshops around the country about words of knowledge, about the prophecy and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, for those of you who don't know what words of knowledge is, it's, it's, the, it's the gift that they would say where, you know, it's like reading someone's mail where you'll be able to know things about other people. And so, like I said, I got heavily involved in that signs and wonders movement where I, would, I learned all those things. And so I eventually became one of those guys that would go around and teach people how to hear God's voice where, where you could, there are times where you'll know someone's name, you'll have personal information about them that it seems like it would be impossible to know unless they told you about it, you know. And so I was having these types of experiences of, of teaching people how to know a person's condition or know a person's sickness or whatever so you'll be able to heal them, you know, in the name of Jesus. So why is this important? Why am I bringing this stuff up now? But if I was teaching people on how to hear God's voice, typically when we talk about if, if people are using that kind of lingo, you know, of having a personal relationship with God, relationships imply some sort of two-way communication, right? I, I talk to some person and then they talk back to me. It's not just some sort of monologue. It's a, it's a dialogue. And so I've met many self-identified Christians who, who approach me and tell me that they struggle hearing God's voice, but yet they identify themselves as believers, as Christians. And there I was for several years going around teaching people how to hear God's voice and build intimacy with the Father and all that stuff. And so whether or not you want to be skeptical and say, you know, did I really hear God's voice? You know, that, that's a whole other discussion. So my point is, you know, for me, helping people hear the voice of God and, you know, build intimacy in their relationship with God and, and, and all those experiences prior that I just shared. If that doesn't look like a person who has some sort of relationship with God or someone who has an encounter with God, I don't know what it would look like then. In other words, I've had many of the same experiences that many Christians claim to have that seem to be only meant for them. You know, I've had those same experiences, and yet people are still willing to judge the sincerity of my heart and throw Bible verses at me saying that I was never saved in the first place. So was I genuinely saved, right? That was a question. And for me, my response is, I think that's the problem. Uh, I, I think we're asking the wrong questions. You know what I'm saying? And I think within those questions are assumptions and categories that I find somewhat uh, irrelevant and un unnecessary. Just think about it though. What happens supposedly when you get saved, right? So when you get saved, supposedly what many of us have been taught is that you get born again. You know, in some versions, your sins are forgiven. Right, and at that very moment, some people will say that your your sins are always forgiven, but that's a whole different thing. Jesus comes into your heart; the Holy Spirit indwells you. Uh, you become a child of God. You're no longer just a, a a creation of God. You become adopted into the family. God becomes your father. He's not merely just your your creator. You're no longer a sinner, but now you can be considered a saint um, when you die. You're not going to go to hell for all eternity and suffer eternal conscious torment. But now that you have Christ, that you're born again, you're going to be able to go to heaven. And for me personally, folks, I just think that all these categories, this framework that creates this us, us and them mentality of you having to believe X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be able to reap these benefits. 
Um, I just personally find them very, it could be very damaging in some ways, um, and it could be very unnecessary. I just feel like it's out of touch with reality. You know, that if you, if you open up your eyes, you see people all over the world with different worldviews who can experience the same things. You see, we all have filters, and, and critics will always find something to criticize, right? You know, so someone who, who just heard everything that I just shared, they can say, well, you know, Josh probably heard Jesus, you know, because maybe Jesus was trying to communicate. It's like a common grace, you know. Jesus was trying blessing him and doing all these things for him to kind of, you know, win his heart or woo him over or, or something. But the Holy Spirit never really indwelt him. So someone can say something like that or someone in response who wants to just criticize my experiences can go even further and say, no, 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 no. The whole time it was the devil probably uh, speaking to Josh the whole time and he was probably doing all those things in the name of Satan, you know, without even realizing it, you know, doing the devil's work that my father was Satan from the very beginning, you know, and I, I just don't know if you really want to go there. You know, especially with the latter one, it just sounds kind of weird. Because think about it, you know, if that's the case for all these years, it was the devil, if you believe in the devil, it was the devil who inspired me to love people. You know, it was the devil who inspired me to have compassion and to feed the poor. You know, it was the devil who inspired me to, you know, take in a homeless guy with me and my roommates when we were in college. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I'm not saying these things to boast about my life. Trust me, I made a lot of mistakes in my life as well. But my question is, you know, why judge and dismiss the positive changes and the progress in a person's life for the sake of your interpretation of the Bible? You know, and why make it that only Christians are the only ones who are able to really reap the benefits legally or whatever you want to, you know, I've heard different types of theologies, you know, of why they see non-believers get blessed, right? Um, but why make it seem like only Christians are the ones who, who get to reap the benefits or the ones who are favored by God or part of the family? And as I mentioned in my last video, I still have these amazing and, and emotional transformative experiences in my life that I just interpret differently now. You know, we could call these spiritual experiences, but I'm not here to take away your Christian experiences away. I'm not here to deny you those things. And once again, as I mentioned before, you know, you could you could still call yourself a Christian. You could be a Protestant, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Christian Universalist, whatever. I don't care, to be honest. You know, I'm even happy to see a lot of the changes within Christianity of some of the more progressive forms of it that talk about social justice, talk about grace more, and, and the unconditional love of God more. But I just encourage you to look beyond the confines of exclusive religious dogma because folks the universe is so much bigger than what you or I think so I'm going to keep following my heart and keep following where I where I believe the evidence is leading me so if you want to tag along you know subscribe to my channel you know and if this video encouraged you or got you to think or resonated whatever you know like it and, and please share this with your friends you know what I'm saying for the sake of discussion without trying to be argumentative Remember, it's not about having too much head knowledge, you know, whatever that means. The problem is when you have knowledge with no love. That's the problem, folks. And I think that's it for now, so I'm out. Peace.